0: Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Right now, while Amarillo is dealing with a surge in COVID-19 cases, I've decided to re-release some of my favorite episodes from early in the existence of this show, just in case you missed them the first time around. Today's episode was originally recorded in August of 2018, and it features Kristen Babbitt, The realities of 2020 have put a lot of attention on the importance of local retailers. Women's fashion is big business here in Amarillo, and today's guest, Kristen Babbitt, is a major player in that world. She's the owner of Dotsie's Boutique in Wolfland Square and opened the shop back in 2014. At Dotsie's, Kristen has carved out a loyal following despite a lot of local competition. And while 2020 has been a particularly hard year for retailers... She's actually been able to expand over the past months. Dotsie's has moved to a larger location in the same shopping center. It's now over near Eat Right and has a presence at the brand new from 6th Collective on Interstate 40 out toward Bushland. In this episode, which released October 1st, 2018, Kristen and I talk about how she started her boutique and why social media is so central to Dotsie's success. Here's Kristen Babbitt. Kristen Babbitt, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Good. Well, um, I want to talk about obviously your shop and your career, the things that you do. But before we get to that point, I'd like to hear how you ended up doing business in Amarillo in the first place. So what's your Amarillo story?
1: Well, my Amarillo story is that I um, went to Baylor University for a couple of years after high school. And transferred, actually, to WT, which a lot of times you hear the opposite. It goes the
0: opposite direction.
1: Exactly. So I was a little homesick. I just missed this community. I missed being around here. I actually grew up in Dalhart. Okay. Um, so I was from a small town, but in Amarillo on a weekly basis. This was going to town for us. Right. <laughs> so this unquote. was the place that you came
0: to <laughs> shop and go to the movies. and.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So graduated with a social work degree. But my senior year, right before graduation, realized this really wasn't what I felt like I was supposed to do. However, I was a month away from graduating mm-hmm. and took that degree. Um, worked in that field for a few years, had my first daughter, and truly felt like the Lord was calling me to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. So, quit that job, and we made some sacrifices. Uh, you know, sold the house did our part so I could stay home. In that process, um, I realized that I really enjoyed being creative, mm-hmm. working with my hands. Um, I always had a very strong business mind. When I was little, I would sell things door to door. I would put on my own garage sales when I was 10. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. And so I started making jewelry and having jewelry shows and that led into a passion to kind of pursue this. It was, I was seeing that I could do it. Mm-hmm. I was successful. The Lord was blessing me in that area, and eventually that turned into adding clothing to my shows and the little trunk shows I would do and craft shows that I would do, and eventually into what it is today.
0: Can Can we look back at your college experience? If If you had that, you know, that capacity for business entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. as even as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, why did that not get on your radar as you are going into college? It's
1: funny you ask that. So when I went to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. You know, it's so funny to me today. There's kids that are freshmen in high school, and they're already on a degree plan. Right. And I'm like, what? I didn't even know what I wanted to do when I was 20, much less when I was 14. You know, I always knew I was going to be a mom. Oh, I mean, I hoped that that's what I would be, um, and I had a passion to be there for my kids and stay home with them. I didn't know, you know, when that would happen or if it would happen, but I knew that was in the back of my mind. I felt a calling to go into some type of helping career. So my degree first started out as an interior design degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a, a church camp that summer as a um, leader, as a camp counselor and felt like, man, I really enjoy helping people. It's one of my gifts. It's one of the gifts the Lord had given me. And I went back to college and was like, okay, I need a helping career. I don't know what it is, but I need a helping career, but I don't want to teach because I don't know if I have the patience for that. So mm-hmm. God bless teachers. I just think they're amazing, but I I knew I couldn't do it. And they said, well, what about social work? I said, yeah, that looks really cool. Jumped in the door of social work. I felt like I was And help people for the rest of my life. And um, soon after I had gotten into that field and done it, the Lord showed me you don't have to have a career in a helping profession to help others. Okay. So um, I realized that I didn't have to just use that gift in my career. I really started just diving into like, who am I? What do I enjoy? What kind of gets me excited? And
0: One of the things, and I've had this conversation a number of times, uh, whether on the podcast or or just with friends, is that maybe it's this area, but women often go into college thinking in a social direction or a helping direction, like Mm -hmm. you said, however Mm -hmm. you phrase it, but don't always think in terms of I can be an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. or I can own a business or I can start this creative endeavor.
1: For sure. Do you think
0: that was something that... Whether on purpose or not, that just kind of impacted you.
1: Well, absolutely, because I saw that, you know, my mom, she was an amazing homemaker. And I admired that and looked up to that. And then she would work in a dress shop on the side for some, you know, discounted clothing or whatnot. And I remember thinking in college, oh, my goodness, one day I would love, ultimately, it was in the back of my head, I would love to own a a store one day. Oh, but I could never do that. Mm -hmm. And then— you know as I started doing it and my eyes were open like okay I've also got a gift in this area right and I really really like this that's when I realized I could do this and so that fire got inside of me and asked my husband I wasn't going to stop Yeah, <laughs> I, I really I I had to be patient for many many years <laughs> I wanted to open much sooner than than God wanted me to open and I'm glad I waited.
0: Well tell me about the process because it it does sound like it was a a lengthy process where you did one mm-hmm. thing and then that graduated into another thing and then that expanded to something else. So
1: I think ideally it I wanted just to be there to raise my older two children. I wanted it to be in a situation where I could still predominantly be the one to be the sole like primary caregiver for them. Okay. Um As they got older and were in school, I also wanted to get to a place where I could be able to not have to be at the store from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day, that I could take them, pick them up, you know, turn off my work hat, although it never is turned off. I work at home as well, but I'm there with them. So I think that was the driving force of me taking my time and also building. My customers mm-hmm. and and really trying to figure out like where the best location was where what was Dotsy's what was Dotsy's about and um, just allowing um, the Lord to show me that direction and sometimes our timing is way off and I would have opened four years earlier but he kept telling me to wait and it's in it's an amazing thing because because of that waiting a lot of things it felt like were handed over on a silver platter.
0: Yeah, do you think it would have impacted maybe your growth or your success had you opened earlier? Had oh my God. I don't I don't
1: think that I could have stayed open. Okay. I mean, I see it all too often. You know, people are like, I'm going to open a store, or, I'm going to do this business and then there's no customer base behind mm-hmm. it and just pouring out money. I mean, I was very grateful to the process. Looking back in retrospect, you're just so – I'm like, I didn't have to worry about some of that stuff because I opened and people already knew.
0: Right. Let's talk about that because one of the things that occurs to me is that there are a ton of boutiques in Amarillo. Mm
1: -hmm. You're know,
0: you not doing anything brand new in this Mm -hmm. area. Even in the Wolfland Village, Wolfland Square area, there are several boutiques selling probably similar things like you're doing. So what do you think is the secret, the reason that you have found success, that that you have sort of grabbed this customer base and created loyalty?
1: I believe that we provide excellent customer service. And if there's one thing that I train all of my employees and myself, I want everyone that walks in that door to feel like royalty, whether no matter what background they come from. I want every woman to feel beautiful. I, I want them to be able to come in and find something. I We offer a wide arrangement of clothing sizes, and our price points are really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a penny-pinching shopper, and I thought if I wouldn't pay for it, I'm not going to have it. So I think that makes, that makes a difference, and there are a lot of boutiques that offer good price points. Um, there's some that are higher-end, and I respect that because – there's something to be said about clothing that's maybe of higher quality, I guess you could say. Okay. I, I, I feel like I have a pretty good eye to finding good quality at a good price.
0: And your customers are not just customers who walk into your storefront, right? You, do you do a lot of online we sales?
1: We do online sales. I ship all over the country, which is exciting and fun. That is something that, gosh, that world is so different. And it's hard. There's Everyone's on online. Right. <laughs> and... I think that it's important to have a good team um, to have the good customer service you know providing that quick shipping out to customers and just offering that to to people is very very important in today's time i should
0: say that the way that we first met was we were both on a social media panel Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when i encountered your business and you know just remember looking at your Instagram account and thinking, oh, Dotsy's—it's got a cute name. It's this boutique in Amarillo, and you had like six thousand followers, mm-hmm. which was is really big for a small local business serving the Amarillo right. area. Your Facebook page is even bigger than that. So, how have you gained? Whether they're all locally, whether they're national, how mm-hmm. have you gained these large audiences for your business?
1: I think it's content, what you put out there. Um, unfortunately, Facebook is a lot harder nowadays those those big numbers were built before you know, the algorithm yeah, started to change yeah and, a few years back and i think that we just have great like i said great customers and they're sharing and they're commenting and posting i think that's that's a key too and i think you have to be very engaging with your customers i think you have to offer incentives mm-hmm. and specials for them fortunately if had girls that are a lot more versed in the social media world than than this <laughs> than this lady is right here. And I've learned a lot from them and just staying relevant and knowing what's going on and you know times to post and when to post. and we don't always get it right. It changes on a daily basis.
0: Do you feel like that is your core demographic? Your main you know customer is somebody who's following you on Instagram. You know, maybe 20s, 30s, something like that. I mean, is that where your customers are?
1: Yes and no. We have a wide variety of customers. I would say we have, I mean, I had a little girl, 12 years old, shopping the other day. And then we have this sweet, precious 90-year-old lady that shops with us. Hmm. So when... Th- obviously, she knows about everything from Instagram. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes, obviously. Um, I think that, yes, our core, I would say she's around... Her mid to early 30s, you know that's who, that's who's seeing it. It definitely helps. It's the biggest form of advertisement out there.
0: Can we talk about sort of the the Amarillo business climate? You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of talk lately about people buying and shopping local mm-hmm. compared to you know picking up whatever you want on Amazon or buying something from a, a clothing website rather than going into an actual bricks and mortar store here. Um, are you seeing any changes are you seeing uh, among your customers is is there a reason for them to walk in your door rather than just buying whatever looks good you know from a website
1: well personally fortunately we have not seen a lot of changes for us I can say for other things I think clothing is such a item that women like to try on they like to see feel touch see what it's going to look like, and we provide an experience, not just coming in and picking out something and leaving. I think that um, we provide an environment that is welcoming, like we want to get to know you as a person. Um, They come in and they feel there's something just about that, you know, satisfaction of getting it today Mm -hmm. and leaving. And I think that also just the customer service they get, you don't get that from being online.
0: When you started... Did you have like a fallback plan? I mean, did you think this is something that might fail, that might not last? I mean, did what What were some of the risks that you were dealing with before you made the decision to, okay, I'm opening up a storefront?
1: Well, in all honesty, I I don't, because I understood from the very beginning that tomorrow the Lord could say, you need to shut these doors, and I have to be okay with it, because I've given it to him from the beginning. And that, I think, there is there is so much freedom in that. And knowing that, you know what? If it's successful, glory be to God. If it doesn't, glory be to God. And there is freedom in that for me because I realize that I will be okay no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, whatever that is, you know, and sometimes I have to step back and be like, Okay, I'm getting a little too too big for my britches right now and I feel like I have to just not to get ahead of myself, but to just worry about me or like in the store and move forward and do what I know what to do and also know that it's ultimately out of my hands.
0: But at the same time you have to be able to evolve and change in your business yeah. because trends change oh. and fashion changes. And that and, is
1: that is something that I put a lot of stress on myself, and, and I get wrapped up in that. You know, cause I feel like you have, in, especially in the fashion world, you have to be one step ahead. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, and you sell hardware. It's just the same hardware year after year exactly. in most cases. But your product is changing every All the season. Time.
1: All the time. And the key is finding the things that are going to work for this area versus not Not so much, Mm -hmm. Um, stuff that's not too far out there, but your customer is going to like and want to buy. Um, Also knowing when to stop selling something. Okay, we've done this three seasons in a row because it's been a staple, it continues to sell, but let's retire it. Right. You know, I've seen too much.
0: (laughs) Not necessarily because the customers are not demanding it, but just you feel like it's time to move on. All right,
1: you've got to stay ahead of the game.
0: One of the, the things that um, I, I guess is is maybe a cliche that people say Amarillo is, is always about five or ten years behind the coasts in terms of trends, whether it's fashion or technology or mm-hmm. culture. Is that something you seem to be true? I mean, you, you mentioned things that you know will not work in this area.
1: Well, I don't think it's five years anymore. I think it's more like two. Okay. <laughs> so I think we're getting there. So we're, we're narrowing it. that gap. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're getting there. And I... I definitely see a progression forward, and I definitely see that there are more people out there that um, want to be more risk-taking with their fashion, and you know, and I can credit that to Pinterest mm-hmm. and the internet. I mean, they they see things that oh that are popular and think, okay, where can we go to find that?
0: When you were a kid going off to Baylor, did you think you would end up back in the Panhandle? Did did you ever plan when, you know, when you're in Dalhart, did you see yourself leaving or staying?
1: Oh, my goodness. I could not wait to leave. I thought I'm going to go fly and go everywhere and do whatever I want. And I honestly did not have a plan after graduation. Like, I didn't know where I was going to be, but I knew it was going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And coming back to the panhandle was kind of like, oh, Really, you know, like I didn't think I would see. I honestly didn't think I would see myself coming back, but there was a sense of home, and and just something about it that drew me there. It was comfort. It's you know that good comfort meal that you want. You've had a long day or something, and right. it was, oh, it's so good. And and I think that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and I always could see a lot of beauty in the Texas Panhandle, where someone that's not from here may come and go, what? what is there? like, Look at that sunset or look at the sky. And, you know, this weather is pretty... We get four seasons most of the time. <laughs> not all of We time. used to. Yeah, we used to. Well,
0: b- before we turned the mics on, you know, you were just telling me about having been at market and people that you met there being sort of stunned that here are these fashionable, you mm-hmm. know, women buying clothes and stuff and... They're from Amarillo, and that, that seemed like it didn't match up in their minds. Yeah,
1: and that was – it offended me in a way because I I take a lot of pride in my ho- – I mean, I consider this my hometown. I've been here almost 20 years, and, you know, I just was like, really? You're going to say that? That's not that's not really true. I feel like we're a pretty cool city.
0: Tell me about your plans for the future. Do you see Dotsie continuing to be what it is now for the next few years? Do you have – you know, you're going to create a, a great clothing empire or something like that. What What
1: do you want to share? Well, I have big dreams. We're just going to put it that way. I don't know if they are. I don't like to necessarily share them because I don't know if they're in line with um, what God wants me to do just yet. I'm waiting on that timing. I have really big dreams. So my husband and I um, have discussed them. I am the risk taker. He is not. Mm-hmm. So. We've got to balance that out. Um, I would love to see Dotsies grow. I don't know in in which direction that means. I don't know if that means stores across the country. I don't know if that means just growing, you know, online. I don't know if that means opening up a little separate kind of place. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. All I know is I know that I'm not done. Okay. I'm not done. Mm -hmm.
0: This episode is sponsored by Blue Handle Publishing, home to the Neil Baggio Thriller series by Amarillo's Charles D'Amico. Plus, a brand new release, The Unwinding Cable Car, by local best-selling author Andrew Brandt. Right now, you can shop for these titles and more at bluehandlepublishing.com and get 20% off using the holiday code HOLIDAY20. That's HOLIDAY20 for 20% off any of the books and merchandise, including signed books And a cool Blue Handle Publishing whiskey glass. All at bluehandlepublishing.com. Okay, we're back with Kristen Babbitt. Kristen, this is the part of the show I call 8 Straight. 8 Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon on the WT campus. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes more than eight decades of evening gowns. Awesome. The kind of thing you probably won't find at Dotsie's. Learn more at panhandleplains.org. All right, the first one, and this is not a question I've asked anyone else, uh, (laughs) any other guests, but is there any type of fashion sense or item that you would describe as being unique to Amarillo?
1: Hmm. I don't think I could pinpoint a specific item or fashion sense. I think Amarillo has a very casual fashion sense about them. I I don't feel like the general population is too worried about dressing really nice every day. And I and I wanna I wanna instill a little bit more of that. I was gonna say, yeah, Amarillo. do you want
0: to improve upon that? Yeah. Is-
1: yeah. And I think that there are people that do. I, I think that for the most part, you know, I think of cities like Santa Fe and you think of the Kanto belts and the turquoise necklace. And I would say Amarillo has a pretty eclectic fashion sense. I don't know if there's one other than just very casual. Do
0: you have a sense of why that is? I mean, is there something about our culture or being isolated up here in the panhandle where we just, we're not dressing up for people and right. don't care to?
1: Yeah, maybe it's, it's the types of jobs that we have around here. There's not too many very professional, you know, type jobs where they're more agriculture based. You don't need to dress up going on your ranch or farm that okay. day. That sort of thing. I All guess. right.
0: What is your favorite local restaurant?
1: Probably Public House. Okay. Yeah.
0: What do you like about it?
1: The food is different and it's really good. You're not going to see I don't I'm not a big chain restaurant person. Right. I don't like chains. I try to support as many locally owned restaurants that I can. But, you know, Crush would come in right up there with Public House. I just like
0: locally owned, different. a little yeah. upscale. Is is yeah. there a certain dish that you get at Public House that that's your favorite or are you No.
1: They all they're all good. I mean, anything from The brie sandwich to the soup. I don't know. They're all great. Okay. They're all great. How do
0: you describe Amarillo to people outside the area?
1: I feel like Amarillo, I always say, is a big city with a small town feel. Um, We offer just about anything that a big city offers, but instead of having multiple of it, we may just have one or two. Okay. And... You know, it's funny you say this. My my brother and sister-in-law are moving here from Houston, and my sister-in-law has never lived anywhere but a big city. And so I, th- I told her, I said, I think that you're going to find that people are very genuine here. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that, you know, when you see that friend on the street and they're smiling and they give you a hug, I really do feel like they mean that, whereas you may not get that same feel in a bigger city.
0: It's a pretty big difference, In a lot of ways, between Houston and Amarillo, very much, yeah. Do you think? Do you think they will be um, think that that difference will be a a positive for them? In most, I hope so.
1: I really do. I I hope so. I think there's a sense of community here Mm -hmm. that they may not get there. Just lost another ant in the craziness. (laughs) I guess you know. I don't know.
0: What does this area have too much of?
1: Uh, Traffic lights and construction.
0: All right. Mm That's not uh, too off the wall in terms no. of answers. Why traffic lights?
1: You know, you drive down streets like Western, and there's like one at every block. I don't know. It's just, in, and they're not in sync. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just let's keep this flow moving. <laughs> it's kind of like overdone sometimes. There's lights in places that I don't feel like there needs to be a light. Or at
0: least it should be longer. You know, yeah. let the green light last a little bit longer.
1: Yes. Oh my Unless goodness. somebody's
0: just waiting to to pull onto the street. But I've been driving, you know, at 45 or whatever down one of those streets, and you get a red light, and there's no cars waiting.
1: No. You know, it like, just where, stops you in your where tracks. Where is and, this coming from? <laughs> yeah. Don't like that. I don't
0: know if that's unique to Amarillo, but...
1: I don't think it's unique. Maybe the construction... I guess... I don't know why Amarillo decided to do all the construction all at the same time, but we did. And then that's a joke. I know Amarilloans, like, think about it, and they're like... There's nowhere in Amarillo that you can go without construction everywhere. But, again, I'm sure it's that way in other cities.
0: Last time I've been to Houston or Dallas, I feel like it was that way. For sure. Um, What does this area not have enough of?
1: Okay, so I think that we're doing a better job at it, but community events. I, I do think Amarillo is really trying to do more community events. I know the Square has done more events. Just things that you can take your family to, um, getting outdoors. I think there's needs to be more outdoor activities. I think Amarillo as a whole is not very outdoorsy. I, get, mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's a word. But, you know, you go to some cities and you just see people walking their dogs everywhere. Or they're walking or they're bike riding or, you know, there's all kinds of outdoor festivities and festivals and that sort of thing. But I think we're getting better. I definitely think there's an improvement there.
0: Is there one that, that Amarillo has experienced you know, over the last year or two that, that you appreciate or that you've participated in?
1: So the Square has put on in the spring, our spring fling, and it's an outdoor where vendors come. All of the boutiques and stores here have sidewalk sales. We have food trucks. Mm-hmm. We have bands playing. So that's a lot of fun. I love events like that. Um, also, the thing that they do down on Polk Street, the during the community summertime. market yeah mm-hmm. i think that's really cool yeah really cool okay what's
0: uh we, we talked about it earlier with the four seasons but what's your favorite kind of Amarillo weather
1: fall on a non-windy day which is very rare and 60s to 70s like the cool crisp morning so i can go have a cup of coffee outside mm-hmm. and enjoy that time and then not get too hot any day that's not windy, which We're is like getting five. close
0: to that kind of weather, I, I feel like it's. Maybe. I
1: hope. I hope.
0: Um, what's your go-to local coffee shop? Roasters. 100%. All right, is that because of proximity, or you're you can see it from here, or?
1: Um, no, I actually love their coffee more than even Starbucks or anywhere else. I just love the the flavor. They do a good job.
0: They have a good smoky, rich kind of yeah coffee,
1: and it's not too bitter. I like better coffee.
0: When was the last time you went to Paladuro Canyon?
1: A couple of years ago, which is sad because it's so beautiful. And I think it's hard for us to go in the summer because it's so hot. Right. If it's ninety-seven here, it's like one hundred and twenty-seven down there, and I just can't do it. Um, but we went for a photo shoot a couple of years ago for Nazis. It's is really
0: is that a place that uh, when your your family members come here from Houston, will you make sure they? They go visit all the different sites?
1: Probably so, yes. Absolutely. My brother's from this area, so he's seen it. It's been a million years, but Mm. yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, well, that concludes uh, the eight straight questions. Kristen I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something related to the area. So what's something here locally that you would want listeners to know about or to experience?
1: Okay, well, I have two things. Okay, that's allowed. Okay, Um, there is a... Nonprofit called Colorful Closets, mm-hmm. and they take gently used children's clothing and find kids in need at various schools that that need a new wardrobe. But they don't just give them like a sack of here's here's your used clothes. They get them um, dry cleaned and cleaned, and then they fold them and they put a pretty ribbon around them and they give them outfits for a two week time period. And you know, it's just really it's such a blessing because they present it as a pretty gift, mm-hmm. and I like that, and I support that. Um, we actually donate several of our items to them that may like not sell at the end of the season, and rather than me put them on sale, I will just donate them. Okay, cool. So those teenage girls can have them. And then another thing I really love, and I wish I could devote more time to, and I can't during this season. I actually haven't, and I would love to. Our church offers a program I attend Paramount Baptist and they offer a program that teaches English as a second language Mm -hmm. to many of our refugee community here. It's called LEAF. It's Learning English Among Friends. They've paid $15 for an entire year and they get to learn English. And Amaral has the largest, or one of the largest, if not the largest refugee population per capita. So I think they said there's over like I know over a hundred different languages that come in the, through those doors. And I think that's just a really cool opportunity, not only for those people to also possibly hear about the Lord, but to be able to go to a doctor and tell them what's wrong with them or the grocery store and, and be able to say, I'm looking for this item. I think that's, that's pretty cool. I, think I like it. Kristen Babbitt, uh,
0: thank you for being on the Hey Amarillo podcast. I appreciate Absolutely.
1: it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that
0: concludes the episode. Thanks to Kristen for the original interview and for being cool with a re-release of this show. You can learn more about Dotsies at shopdotsies.com. Thanks to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Blue Handle Publishing for sponsoring the show. And you know what? Thank you for listening. This podcast exists every week because of listeners like you. I really do appreciate it. And also because of the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash Amarillo's executive producers include Barbara and Jim Witten, Chris Elda, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Wes Reeves, Katie Linger, Jess Heredia, Jason Burr, Joshua Rafe, Neil Nassiman, and Ryan Pennington. This has been episode 174. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.